Hello, everyone. This is Noah. And I'm Simon. And welcome to the Resolve Podcast. We're your resource for all things mental health, academic success, and personal growth. Devoted to helping students thrive and build the resilience to succeed in school and in life. Okay, Bailey, thank you for coming on to speak with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm going on a, a bit of a tour of these great influencers, mental health influencers, and interviewing them and learning about them. And, and you are one of them. Lauren, who's our incredible social media manager uh, and the brains behind so much of what we do online is one of them as well. So it's really cool to see that you've created, this was something we talked about before, you've created, you've, you've made real relationships from Instagram. Just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's been so amazing to make friends on Instagram. So since I began my account, there was always like similar accounts and we would always comment and like each other's photos, just like giving each other support. And then there were some people who were based in Toronto and we started messaging and it was really great. And then we just kind of were like, we should go out for dinner one night. So the people who could go went and we all just like met up and we were very similar. And it was really nice to talk to people who also struggle with mental health, because when you're talking to someone who has their own experiences, it's completely different. And you just kind of feel heard on a different level. And that just kind of like started our friend group. And now we kind of like get together whenever we have free time just to hang out and we have like a group chat where we can send our daily anxieties frustrations it's just a really nice support network I didn't expect to get from Instagram I think it's just special I, I think it's really neat because you know thankfully in life we make friends at different stages whether that's from the schools that we went to or programs that we were a part of or localities that you know lo local networks and things like that and then as you get older and your interests start to define themselves, you have opportunities to meet people that have similar values and interests to you that you kind of choose. I look at my really older friends and I have lots of those, thank God. They kind of become not unconditional. Like, you know, it doesn't mean if you're like, if you're totally, unless of course there's toxicity, but if you're just aligned totally in different worlds, you're kind of just going to be friends no matter what you have that relationship. But it's really cool to make friends with people in similar areas and similar fields as you. But that's a challenge is that the intern is an opportunity to get very specific, to join specific types of groups, connect with specific types of people. But there's that gap where people have these online friends. I work with so many people that they have these, you know, these communities with gaming and all this stuff. They got friends in all different regions of the world that I think it's just really special that you still have that. But now you, you see each other in person. Yeah, no, I never expected to actually like meet anyone off of it. And it's definitely been it was the highlight for one of the highlights of my 2022 was making that friend group and feeling like I really had friends again because I felt lost for a very long time in like the world of friends and like something that you said that made me think of it my mom said like some people just come into our lives to help us get through certain periods whether that's a friend you had through elementary school and then whatnot so I've had a lot of like up and down and right now I feel like I really have 
a support group that cares about me and like would be there for me like I am for them my Instagram friends and the friends I also have outside of Instagram but it's definitely important for mental health and support systems so it's nice to have them from a realm of places so I'm 30 so uh for everybody who cares and nobody cares <laughs> I'm still a millennial there's a different thing going on with I'm I'm guessing you're still I mean maybe you are 30 I don't even know but the younger people that I that I'm looking on these platforms they're really like just open in ways that you cannot I, I it's it's unbelievable how did you decide yeah. to put your life in a way like to become an advocate and start talking about your mental health so publicly yeah so I'm 24 for anyone who cares there's a difference though I'm telling you there's a, this, there this six a years difference. there's a difference yeah no it is different but I also did not start my Instagram page thinking it was going to be a place I spoke about mental health like this was during a time when I had to leave university because my mental health got so bad my doctor was like you have to come home because I was in London Ontario and I was like, you know what, I'll just make an Instagram page. I'll share my recipes, my workouts, like what I'm doing and whatnot. And then I was really struggling. And I just like said to myself, I don't feel real if I don't share my anxiety. Because I'm also just the type of person that I can kind of like talk to anyone. Not in like, a, oh, like I'm so good at talking, but I'm very chatty. So I'm kind of like an open book as it is. So I didn't see like the biggest deal in posting that I have anxiety. I'm like, I feel like most of us have anxiety. So I just, I remember the post exactly, but like I was sitting on my bed and the caption just explained, you know what, I've actually been really struggling. You can't tell from my other posts and stories, but this is like me. And like, I wanted to share this with you. I had like 200 followers at the time. It's not like I had a big following or anything. And the response I got from it was incredible. And people were messaging me saying like, thank you. You're so brave for sharing and like so many positive messages. And I'm like, all I did was say I was anxious. Like, okay, like that that's interesting to know. So then I was like, okay, maybe there's something there because like I'm an open book and I know a lot of people aren't. So I was like, you know what? I'll incorporate it a little more. And slowly over time, I just started to share more and more. Obviously I've drawn a very specific line of where I cross it and where I do not because it is the internet after all. And I do not necessarily want to share every aspect of my life. But I do know that sharing my journey and being as honest as possible has helped people because the messages I've gotten have helped me so much. Like I even I save them. I save all the really like beautiful messages people send me saying like I could never I can't talk about my own mental health and seeing you post so openly has helped me. And I'm like, what? Like just my posting, I'm anxious. Like so it's been really meaningful and powerful. And I did not even expect it. I didn't expect that is where my account would go. Will you become a, a voice for the voiceless in a sense? People, that that's why, you know, people lurk around. I mean, I can speak for myself a little bit. When I do get lurking, I'm very protective of my how I use the internet because it can be very distracting on so many levels. <laughs> but sometimes when I'm thinking about a topic and I'm feeling uneasy about it, I go research, I'll go on Reddit, I'll go on this thing and I'll read what other people are thinking and feeling about it and find somebody that said it similar to the way that I would be feeling it without being able to articulate it. So I think you're just speaking other people's minds and allowing them to process and feel what they're feeling without being more explicit about it or without even knowing that that's exactly what it was. But then you've hit on something that affects them. And then they, they're becoming then more self-aware and just 
you know, more open to who, to what they're experiencing. And I, I think it's a really cool concept that you, that you do that. It's sort of the opposite as well as the critique that a lot of people have about curating social media. Social media is about you putting out your highlights as the sort of cliche goes and you're putting everything jolly and, and we get into the difficulties and dangers of that from a mental health standpoint when people consume that content. But you're doing something about the opposite. You're sharing darkness in a way, not always. I'm sure you're sharing hope too, but you're sharing yeah. darkness. Yeah, like I, my in my bio, it used to say, say like sharing the ups and downs. And that was a big thing. Like in COVID, I was constantly seeing like, oh, look at my banana bread. Look at this. And while all that is great, <laughs> I have I never felt worse mentally in my life. So I was like, you know what? Like I'm going to post my banana bread, but I'm also going to post that the pandemic is affecting me. And I think when we go on Instagram and we just see all these photos of the highlights, which are important, of course, and not everyone wants to share the bad moments on social media, like not expected. But I thought I had like a unique opportunity that I don't mind sharing, like when I have a downfall fall, or if I make a mistake or if I get rejected from a school, I wanted to share it. So my page ended up being a rep more representative of my life. So you can go on and see like, oh, she had a great day that day. Oh, she got rejected from a school that must have been tough. But then, oh, she did this. So it's just showing like the realities of life, like not everything is flowers and happy. And that's just the reality of it. And I think we now spend so much time on social media that it's even more important to show that like not just posting my highlight reel. And actually what's funny is I feel sometimes more comfortable posting like those vulnerable posts rather than like an accomplishment. Cause I'm like, I feel better just like showing the nitty gritty. <laughs> and have you noticed, so talking about it publicly um, so openly, and, and I want to ask you a bit more about, about that openness and how it impacts you. What about in real life? Um, were you always open, for example, with family and friends? Have you had more difficulty talking to the people closer to you? Did the co did the did the coins did did this sort of openness online coincide with any changes in your personal life and with the people that are connected to your close inner circle? Are those different, separate, connected? I would say like connected and separate. So I've been struggling with my mental health for as long as I can remember. And in the beginning, it was panic attacks and they were like loud. I'd be like running around my house, like pan like literally panicking. So it was very obvious to my parents something was wrong. And like at first, I had no idea what it was. I just would call it my yearly bad thoughts, like dating back to like grade five and six. And then in around grade nine, it started affecting my eating and my sleeping. And I started having some OCD tendencies with like not letting any of the food on my plate touch and with my door. And so my parents got very concerned and took me to my doctor where she diagnosed me with generalized anxiety disorder. And at that time I was put on meds and the meds helped and I kind of went back to functioning. So I didn't really tell anyone that early because to me, I was like, oh, I have anxiety, but now I have medication. So it's gone. Okay. And I would have like my yearly panic attack, but I'm like, oh, it's just a blip. And then when I was going into grade 12, it started happening every single day. Every day I was having panic attacks. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't move. I was miserable. And I ended up going to the hospital. And this is where my communication really changed because I had to tell my parents how I was feeling. I had to tell them if I wasn't feeling safe. I had to tell them basically what they could not see 
So that's when I got this very big openness with my family. And I, and I'm the eldest of like, I have a younger sister and brother. And I guess because I've always been so open, then they became very open also. So in my family, we just like discuss it very openly. Like we talk about mental health, we're aware of it. Like we talk about emotions. And so I think that's really helped is coming from a household where I kind of like set the tone of it being so open because my parents needed to like me to say, and then it just became a very supportive environment. Uh, with friends, I don't think like when I was young, like in going into undergrad, I didn't really share. And I don't think like for the rest of my degree also, I don't think many people understood. So I also was like, I don't really feel like explaining it. Um, I do. I did tell like when I started dating my boyfriend, it was in first year. And I remember telling him and while he's never struggled with um, anxiety or any mental illness, he has like done his best to try and like ask questions to learn. And then like life is up and down and then COVID hit and I started being open on Instagram, but I'm just kind of like an open book as it is. I feel like, I feel like I maybe didn't answer the question, but I think it no, I think started, you did. My, it started it with my nowhere. family. Like it didn't start with social media. You, you had no. a lot of, you, you were very open about it and have been in your nuclear family. Yeah. And I've never, it's not really because I've struggled for so long. It's not something like I'm embarrassed to be like, oh, I have anxiety. Oh, I have depression. Like to me, it's just another part of my day. It's another part of my life. Like I'm not embarrassed to talk about it I like in class if someone out if the professor asks for like a personal like I'll be like oh like in my struggles with ADHD like I'm very open about it and I think my Instagram has helped me be more open because of the positive responses I've gotten and then I think I really did get into my program because of my Instagram platform and being so open in my advocacy and work wow um in particular so this kind of openness is is something that you don't i mean the in the ecosystems and in the worlds that i'm in i see it a, a lot more um but this is this is rare i i think this is be, this is a new a new trend that's starting to happen um being open honest and vulnerable online how does it impact your mental health uh when you do it i know you mentioned that you get good feedback sometimes people tell you stories and and about how you impacted them which is really beautiful um, how does it overall impact you in, in any way, shape or form? It's definitely had like the whole spectrum. I would say like, I do get joy from sharing my struggles because I do know that it's very niche and not many people feel comfortable to make posts like that. So there is like a sense of pride I do get from those posts. And also then people have messaged me saying like, you know what? like you posted about this and I resonated with it. Do you have any tips for this? So then it's also like, I'm able to give back and help people who are feeling lost. And they're like, I don't know what to do. Sorry for this message. I'm like, no, never apologize for messaging me. Like it makes me so happy if I can help. Um, on the other hand, like I also have had periods of where I've dipped very low for the past two, three weeks. I have not really felt my best. And sometimes posting on Instagram feels like a job instead of like something that's good because then I'm like, oh, I don't want my page to be too depressing. So I have to put up like a happy quote. And then I'm like, no, that's not the point of this because I made this to be honest. So sometimes I get a little stressed out because I'm like, I want to show my true self, but also like when I'm in the depths of my struggles, I don't always feel like posting it in the moment. I'm okay to talk about it after 
but while I'm going through it so sometimes I've just taken like weeks off because I'm like I need this right now or I'll just post being like I'm not feeling amazing so I'm gonna be like in and out just thinking about and sometimes I talk to my sister about this I'm pretty private guy like it's almost like I don't take too many pictures I mean I you know I've got pictures here and there I mean I have a little kid and you know I love hanging out and sometimes it's filmed and sometimes there's pictures there but my day-to-day like self-consciousness when I'm upset when I'm angry when I'm tired frustrated happy excited I'm just like I'm living in my inner world like I'm just living life and you know going to work and then doing my thing and, and I'm not even remotely thinking about how am I going to present my life to the world right now it just Wow, it's it's such a it it's such a added level of complexity to to existence. No, what's so funny is that I was like telling my therapist, I was like, yeah, I had to do an exposure for my exposure therapy, and I was like bawling my eyes out. So like, I just took a picture and a video of me crying, and she's like, and so I told her this, and she's like, why did you film yourself? I'm like, oh, I don't know, like it's I I, I guess I didn't really think about it. She goes because she's uh, like 36, so she's like, no, 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 like I, I think there may be like a generational difference, like why did you feel the need to pull out your camera? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I guess in my mind, I wanted to post about this later showing what exposure therapy looks like. So with tears streaming down my face, I was like, this is the perfect time for a photo. Wow. (laughs) Wow. But it's not abnormal. Like I swear all of my friends take pictures of themselves crying too. Like, it's not just me. Like, I think this is like a thing. We take pictures crying. Look, it's I'm so, gonna put a poll on my Instagram and ask people if they do it also to make sure. Yeah, go for it. I mean, I I never, you know, inter- well, two things. One is like, I just it's interesting to me. My my reaction is not like automatic, like how could you or whatever. I'm just like, wow, that's what like interesting. Wow. Second of all, just because everyone does it doesn't mean it's normal or not normal. It could just be really, you know, a thing that people do. Fair, but, fair but, but like, yeah, you, you have this instinct to first, first experience that was the experience was genuine. You did something. First of all, can you just tell us a little bit, maybe um, just as a riff on this, what what is, I mean, people know what exposure therapy is maybe a little bit here and there, but what were you doing and why were you doing it? And why did it make you cry? Was there a particular, or was that not part of the discussion online? Was that, did you not talk about that? I haven't actually made the post yet. I still have the video of me crying. I haven't come, I haven't gone around to posting it yet. Um, My exposure therapy is very new and it's actually something like I haven't, I've shared that I'm in exposure therapy, but I haven't like shared yet what for just because I'm not ready to talk about that because talking about it is an exposure itself. But yes, anyways, it it's like a fear I've had over the years. I had to watch a video related to the fear mm. and I just got really overwhelmed and started bawling. So I don't know. I guess I also like, I don't take a picture every single time I cry. Like it's not like that. Right. Just like sometimes. But I also have like this creative part of my mind that's always going thinking like, what can we do for content? <laughs> not that like I'm going to cry for content, but I thought like this is a perfect opportunity to show the realness during an exposure like you can actually see like my pain in that moment and it's like it's not always just like you have a fear of dogs it's holding a dog like sometimes it's literally just sitting in your room and you're crying and that's more of my idea I wanted to show because I think also people sometimes think therapy is just like sitting on a couch and going 
oh, that's why I do this. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's, there's so much more. And like, there's so much that happens outside of therapy. Like how I've described it to my mom. It's like, I've had this yarn of ball that's been wound so tight for so long and we're slowly pulling at the strings. And even when I'm not in session, like they're still unraveling. So I'm still having the emotions and the difficulties like processing afterwards. So that was more of the idea. I think going through my mind is I wanted to show I want to eventually show the realities of therapy. And that was how I was going to do it. <laughs> like, it sounds uh, so weird thing. No, it actually like... sounds, the more you say it, the more normal it sounds. So <laughs> first it sounded weird, but now what I'm hearing is it's an art form, just like people would write a musical, a song. And in that song, they're sharing, sometimes they don't tell you the context, but they're sharing their inner feelings. Maybe they wrote the song crying, um, artwork. I don't know. Maybe this is just an art form. Yeah, it's kind of an outlet for me. And I like don't I wouldn't say I'm like the most creative person out there. But I've definitely like with my reels and my TikToks, when I'm putting together those videos that actually, they're not like just a silly trend, like they actually have meaning to them. Like, like I do try and think and that's why I take the pictures of me in those vulnerable moments. Because I also another part of me is like, I want to get to a place in recovery where I look back and I can see the pictures of me crying. And I can see I can say like, look at me now like look where I am I'm not there yet but it's like progress pictures like maybe you do with like anything else so like I may be tears but <laughs> I told that no it, it really makes sense can you just tell us a little bit about so in TikTok and what you're doing there so what are you doing there what, what are you doing on TikTok honestly TikTok is the place where I have the most fun I would say because on Instagram, I try to keep it a bit more, not like professional, but not as silly. Like on TikTok, I just do anything. Like if I see a trend I think is hilarious, like I'll just do it. Or if I have a serious post I want to make about like the realities of living with mental illness, I'll make it. Like TikTok is the place I feel like I have the most freedom because I will post anything and everything. And it's just kind of fun. I'm just, uh, it's just like it's fun and it takes up time and I get to like create these like little videos and when they like do well and people are like, Oh my God, this describes me. I'm like, Oh, thank you. That's it's, 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 but it's so fast. It's so fast. It's so uh, it's, it's almost impulsive. The whole thing is impulsive. You probably have an idea and perform it and put it out there within like a very short time span. Is that maybe sometimes it takes a lot of time to prepare, but does that really happen? Sometimes you're just like, boom, got it, go. Oh yeah. It's lit. I also make this joke is like the TikTok I spend like a couple days working on, like trying to get like the music to sync does performs very poorly. I made a video. I made a TikTok of me literally doing a trend wrong and it got 5.5 million views. Okay. Well, I can could... you just slow down for a second? What does that mean? Just think about it. What does that mean? Five and a half million. What, what, is, what do you, what does that mean? I mean, I know what it means, but what does that mean to you? I was like, it couldn't be one of the ones where I'm like trying to spread my mental health awareness. It's literally me looking so dumb doing a trend wrong. <laughs> like like all the ones that have blown up have been like the stupidest ones. But it's going to, it's, it's so many people. It's so, it's so many, many people. people, but then you're thinking and what they're doing is probably consuming a hundred things. They see your thing. Wow. They like, it's like you have What's like a this? second when of people... fame. Like and comment. The more people like and comment, the more it'll come up on others. So I was getting a lot of hate comments, being like, "Oh my god, you're so dumb." So like that's kind <laughs> how of how did why you I handle that? Because they're like, "How did you not know?" Like blah blah blah. I'm like, like 
I actually was just trying to do the trend. I didn't realize there was like a trick to it. So I looked, but that's how it blew up because there were so many people commenting, being like, how did you not realize? And then people just kept feeding it. And I'm like, why is this the one to blow up? And and when you see that, and then you're looking at the comments, do the comments affect you? you, Or is it just kind of like whatever? On that one, I was like, I don't care. Like, this is really not that deep. It's literally me trying to like draw a line and I didn't do it properly. There have been, like there was a video on Instagram that I got so many hate comments on and it literally blew up because of the hate comments. And it was literally about, I said like what you saw from the outside and it was a bunch of pictures of me smiling and it's like what what happened behind closed doors and it was pictures of me crying. And like, I didn't, I just expected like a, I'm just trying to show a big thing I show right now is that like mental illnesses are invisible illnesses for some people. And like, I had acne because like I've been having some flare ups and someone's like, it looks like she ate pavement. And like, there was so many like comments being like, here's the attention you're begging for. Like, no one cares. Get a life. Do do everyone a favor and never make a video. Like there were so many mean comments that those ones got to me because I was like, I'm trying to do a good thing here. Like, if you didn't like it, you could have just scrolled. Like, you don't have to make fun of my appearance. On the one of me, like, messing up a trend, I'm like, okay, you can make fun of me. Like, I was, like, I didn't do it right. Like, fine. But some hate comments take it too far. Like, I've had to block people multiple times because, like, they'll get, like, I'll get very specific hate comments that are very horrible. And I'm like, I don't feel like dealing with you. Well, I I look at all that. You, you, you know, a lot of people, their worst critic is themselves. So yeah. the brain and the mind. Can Not just, on TikTok. Yeah. The brain and the mind can just create all sorts of things about how terrible, uh, stupid, everything. And then just those comments are just reflections of that deep, dark underbelly because people would it never actually yeah. say that. And, and it's not, it's so off, but that's just what it is. I think. It more just makes me angry because my family's like, don't reply to it. Like, that's what they want. So it just makes me angry because I can't stand up for myself. Like, I want to be like, people care or like people have acne. I'm a human. Like, I just like, so it just makes me more angry that I can't stand up for myself. And that it's just like, but I get like, I'm not, I don't want, like, there's no point in engaging with these people because they left, if they're willing to leave a hate comment, like they're hiding behind a screen. So like, okay. It's not. It's not your battle. So you do have to deal with things like that quite a bit. Is there anything that you, you, you know after you post something? Do you sometimes? What do you do? You post something. You're trying to. You, it is. It, you're putting something out there. It's like putting out art, uh, in some way. How do you handle it once you put it out? What happens to you? Do you do you wait around? Do you, like how I do leave you leave the app? I uh-huh. so I want my post to do well because I want like the message I'm spreading to get out there and it's not like oh I want to have a million followers I really just want to have an impact if I can or make someone feel less alone so obviously with Instagram posting I'm not doing it to get likes or views but sometimes like it's hard to not see those things or not like feel bad about a post if it didn't get enough likes or whatnot so something I did was I I turned off my notifications because I'd just be checking my phone and I'm like this isn't supposed to be something that causes me anxiety. This is something that I like to do. So when I put up a post, I just say to myself, you know what, this is what I believe in. Like I posted this because I like it. And if people like it, great. If it doesn't do well, it's going to stay up. Like I don't delete anything anymore. I used to delete posts that like didn't do well, but now I'm like, no, it'll stay. It's fine. I turn off the, uh, the light count because I'm like, I just don't want that pressure there. And 
that's kind of it. I try to engage with other accounts I like, but I'm trying. It's like, it's a daily thing that I put a post out and I'm like, don't focus on the numbers. That's not what it's about. But Instagram can so easily be about that. And I'm like, well, why don't my posts do well? Why haven't I gone followers over the past, like whatever years I've been doing it, but I'm hoping I'm just doing a slow grow and my followers are like very dedicated I would say like I get like a lot of the same people comment on my on my stuff so I try to focus on the positive comments and just and just believe in my content because that's all I can do and that That, helps with the hate comments too because I'm like well I believed in it and these and the people that are there with you as you're building the community and commenting and being encouraging that they're the real they're the people that you really care about you know yeah them them you know, get, really getting their approval and, and feeling that you're providing value to them. So you're, would you call yourself an advocate and influencer when it comes to this stuff? What, what, how do you, what, what is the term that you use? I call myself like a mental health advocate. I, so it depends also who my audience is. <laughs> like right. when I was applying to medical school, I didn't say, Oh, I'm an influencer. I said like, I have a platform where I advocate for mental health. I don't think I would use the term influencer to describe myself. Like, I don't think I have a big enough following to be termed right. an influencer. I just kind of say like, oh, I have a mental health account where I advocate for mental health and just like kind of share other aspects of my life. Can you tell us, maybe there's a story that comes to mind for you that really sums up and maybe you've alluded to them a little bit, just sums up the best of what you've been doing with your time as an advocate? Is there is there a story that comes up, something that you shared, how it came back to you, anything somebody said to you or something like that? Um, I, Yeah, like a few things come up, like even just getting opportunities like this to speak for like podcasts or I, sp- I spoke at a Jack.org event for the Western chapter last year. And that just, I was like, whoa, like they want me to speak. Like they, like what, I have something to say. So that was really nice. Literally just the messages were like, even if I get a post and it gets 10 likes, but I get a message saying, Hey, your most recent post made me feel less alone. And it really helped me. Like I'm going through a tough time right now. So thank you so much for sharing. I just sit there like in awe for a second. And I'm like, I Uh had, and I checked the person's account and like, we have no mutual friends. I'm like, I Uh had an impact. Like that is all that matters. I think at the end of the day, that is the thing that means the most because I think with mental illness and mental health struggles it's so easy to feel alone in your struggles and feel lost in your path and sometimes just seeing that post or quote that resonates can really really help so to be that person for someone that's what keeps me going even when I'm like why do I do this I should delete my account it's it's literally the messages that are like thank you so much and I'm like oh my goodness thank you Wow. It sounds like you can receive it. I, you know, sometimes I can receive it when I get good feedback in, in therapy and in, in the work. Sometimes it's just a weird thing because success in therapy and whatever that means is is really hard to measure sometimes. Obviously, I have my own metrics mostly guided by helping people to start re- being re-engaged in their lives uh, from the things that they were being prevented from doing and getting back to those values that they care about. And whether that's with the OCD work, the ADHD work, whatever it is, um, I do think I'm making an impact. Uh, I, I feel that way, but sometimes, sometimes people don't get better in some way. Um, 
And I also know that I'm open to feedback and I'm open to improvement and I could do things better than I am. And I always try to learn better and learn from better people and take mentorship and, and grow as a therapist. But at the same time, I also know that it's so complicated. It's not just as simple as, you know, going in and getting a surgery for someone, God forbid, has a broken arm. Like it's very simple. Um, there's a rehab that you have to follow, but it's simple. Whereas in therapy, it's messy. It's, there's so many other factors going on. So I, I, it's, it's really hard, um, you know, how you take credit, how you don't take credit. But I, I, I want to be much better at receiving the, the, the feedback. Sometimes it makes me uncomfortable. Um, other times people try to attribute it to other things. And I'm also like, great. Like, I just want to help people get better. But yeah, you're talking about that makes me realize you can really receive positive feedback. You, yeah. You're like good, some you're good people, with that. I guess would, would do it by like the number of likes or the number of followers. Right. But I don't because I don't know, like maybe once I have more followers, I'll be like, yeah, I have like this many, but right now just those individual messages and no, it's like the push to keep posting sometimes when I'm like, why do I even do this? Cause self doubt will always come in and like just me like thinking like you don't know what you're doing or all like the negative self-talk but at the end of the day when I get that like one message or one comment or I see this or I had a really bad day and I look through my comment section I just see how much support I have it's like I'm so grateful for my Instagram account because it's definitely helped me through some of the dark times in my past like two years because I do feel so supported in a way I never expected does that experience ever make you want to go into the field? Like, tell us just a little bit about how being an advocate has changed how you want to live your life. Is it is it a compartmentalized part, just, a, a, you know, a hobby, something that you love and care about and provide value for? Or is it guiding you towards a career? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's really funny because whenever I tell someone, oh, like I'm applying to medical school, they're like, oh, you want to be a psychiatrist? I'm like, absolutely not. No, no, no. I want to stray as far from that field as possible. I even like my boyfriend made fun of me because I'm like, you know, like in med school when you have to do the rotations, I don't even want to do a psychiatry rotation because I I've lived so much of my life in psychiatry that it's just not where I, it's not where my like I my passion is mental health advocacy and filling the gaps in the system I've experienced and I have seen firsthand. In terms of career right now, I'm very interested in the field of internal medicine and and or pediatrics. I guess I can't say anything until I'm actually there, but I do know that for my life, I will advocate for the mental health system because the gaps and the cracks I've seen and experienced myself are so disheartening and like I don't even have words to describe. So in my master's program right now, I'm learning like public health policy. So I'm trying to like be engaged in these courses because I want to make a change one day. And I want to be a part of the movement that changes the system. I don't want to practice in the field, but I will help from afar. You So so the system you have issues with, maybe I'll just tell you some words of hope. I don't know if you'll find this. Hopefully, I don't know your experiences with psychiatry, but personally, all of my I, I'm now part of a platform called Psychotherapy Matters. Have you heard of it? It sounds familiar. People, are, if they're interested. So Psychotherapy Matters is a psychiatry startup. Dr. Uh, Steingart is his name. He noticed issues in long wait times for psychiatry appointments and the reduction of psychiatry 
to very short appointments to deal with very complex. Like I, I don't, I don't want to speak for them, but but very short appointments for complex problems and really just reduction to medication recommendations as like the scope of psychiatry. And so what he's done is create a platform where where therapists can sign up as psychotherapists, pay a fee for a monthly retainer of, to be part of the organization and get their clients psychiatry appointments within one to two months usually um, for a 90 minute uh, full wow. assessment with diagnosis as well as medication recommendations for people that want it. And all of that without the rush, sometimes it goes for two hours, two and a half hours, as well as follow-up, continual follow-up with consistent appointments to be able to get after for your continuing maintenance and care. And the most important part is that as a psychotherapist, I'm in the meetings. So you're having a therapist who's been working with somebody for a while provide input and actually change the direction. For example, a client that I have that struggles with, let's say they have bipolar, but they also have, you know, elements of paranoid personality or, or trauma, and they might not be able to speak up and say to it, it changes when you talk about the experiences that you've been working with, then they test and ask for different things. And it really impacts that you have this sort of joint psychiatry, psychotherapy um, collaboration. And it's, it's really unique. Um, I mean, in, in the meetings with the doctors and uh, for people interested in that kind of a stuff, you, you you can find out more. All the resolve therapists also have access to that platform. Does that change anything about your perspective? Is that different than what you've heard about? Um, I actually haven't heard about that. And that's in absolutely incredible. That's not I'm looking more at like healthcare system gap. Mm -hmm. So I wrote an article that got published in a health journal called The Healthy Debate. And the title is called Deadly Cracks in a Broken System, something like that. But basically, I just discussed my own experiences. Last year, I went to the emergency room two times because I was very depressed, very anxious and not feeling safe. And basically, I was just, I waited six hours to be told to go home that I didn't look bad enough wasn't bad enough for admission. I'm one of the lucky ones. And I just remember walking out being like, I feel worse than when I walked through those doors. So uh, there's many, like I could go on for hours wow. about changes I want to see in the mental health world, but also in terms of vulnerable populations and how mental health is not even necessarily just psychiatry and, and therapy, but it's also food security and homelessness and poverty. And there's so many factors integrated together that need to be considered. And in my program, I've learned so much that has been so insightful and has really showed me like a path that I think would be important to take to make changes but obviously and then I'm like I sit here and I'm just like one person I can't make any change right now but any change in the mental health world of accessibility is huge I think because that is also a huge issue um and yeah I think there could be improvements in probably every aspect of the psych psychiatry psychology in mental health field um, so I guess a lot of my work was starting with trying to break the stigma and let's talk about it and like, let's not shame people for talking about it um, is my beginning point. And hopefully I can just go from here. And one day I hope to look back and say, I, I made that policy change. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I the, the the equity part is huge. There's a lot of issues. I don't even want to get into the recent, I mean, it it stopped for a bit, but there was been a major discussion about um, medical assistance in dying for mental oh. illness and the proportion it's all over of people... my TikTok and 
That's a big, I have so much concerns to talk about. And this is not like my, this is not a general discussion about made at all. This is a discussion about the particular yeah. implementation of what was going to, I mean, that's a whole other discussion, but wow. And the, 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 the people talking about, you know, okay, I can't afford, I don't even want to say the things that I've read because I've read on Reddit, people that are were interested in it. And a lot of times it was sometimes around affordability and not having enough money to go with their mental illnesses. And it's just, it's sickening and disgusting that maybe they would have access to that without access to so many other care, basic yeah. need. I, I, it's, it's so sad. Um, we need people thinking about these really helping vulnerable populations and so much, so much to be done to make things better. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about, you know, we're, we're a student platform. You're a student, you're in the middle of your student life. Anything <laughs> that you want to tell students that are struggling right now, uh, maybe you're going back to before you were open about things. Any advice, wisdom, ideas that you could share with students about getting more open? Absolutely. Like the one thing I will say is when I was in grade 12 and I went to the hospital for my mental health, I had the attitude, no, I just need a new medication and I'll be fixed. And I just kept trying to push through. And my doctor was like, maybe you should wait before going to university. I was like, no, like this is my path. Like I'm going. And my looking back, my biggest mistake was putting school before my mental health, because what I learned is that it's ultimately going to catch up with you. I was able to suppress it somehow for four years. I looked completely fine on the outside. I was doing research in the hospital. I'm in a healthy relationship. I have friends. I was doing very well in all my courses, but I've never felt worse mentally. And I actually had to leave school and if I had just recognized four years earlier, hey, I need to stop. I need to get some help for my mental health and then move on. Cause like your gut feeling is usually right. And I was so worried about being a year behind the people my age or what will people think or what, like so many things. But what I've learned now is that the issues will only continue to build and they just, they grew over time. And if I had addressed it back then, I'm like, what would my life look like today? So, and also looking back now, it wouldn't have mattered if I graduated with the year younger than me because I ended up doing five years of undergrad anyways because I had to take time off. So there's a lot of pressure like, what will people think? Oh my goodness. But do what's best for you because ultimately looking back, you're not going to regret taking care of yourself. You're going to regret making yourself sick over school. And something my mom said that, I continually say is that school is always going to be there, but you have to be well enough for school. So it's not that you can't go back. It's just make sure you're well enough before you go back. Cause then you can get the most out of it. And I guess that's just my biggest thing because I put school first for so many years that I'm still trying to catch up on my recovery journey from leaving school like four years ago. Because I, I was able to finish my degree and everything, but I'm still like paying for the repercussions. I'm now, now I'm committed to therapy and I refused to, to, to talk like me. Surprising. I refused to go to therapy and talk feels like, no, it doesn't work. All that works is medication. And if I could like scream from the rooftops, I would say like, do not ignore therapy because therapy is the route to getting better. And medication can only take you so far. And it's, yeah. So those are like my biggest lessons, I would say that just like take care of yourself at the end of the day, what people think, if you, it, it's impacting you, like 
your wellness comes before that, you'll find your people. Absolutely. Uh, there's because of the structure of, of this, the way school works for so many people is that there's grades and, and, uh, you know, you, you stay, keep caught up, keep caught up with your grade. And then you get some people just go right to post-secondary college, university, things like that. And they just think it's like there's grades, <laughs> but it's just not, there aren't great. At some point it's your life and you finish the school system You at 17, 18, and if there's if people are struggling, there's there is no rush and there is no race. Reduced course loads can be huge. Um, I took a reduced course load and I was so embarrassed. I would tell people I was taking a full course load. Who like I have my degree. I can guarantee you, not one person has asked me how many courses do you courses did you take per semester? Like my dad's favorite joke is what do they call the person who graduated last in their medical school class? And the answer what? is doctor like no one cares where you landed like at the end of the day you're gonna get there and it doesn't matter and it feels like everything in the moment it feels like the end of the world but I can tell you from the other side it's not there's so much more there's so much more it feels like everything but it's not thank you so much so anybody listening of course advice you don't need to listen to this like a horoscope um everybody's different <laughs> Such important idea here, most importantly, is take yourself seriously, take your mental health seriously and consider options other than needing to rush and cram and crash everything into one. Whatever that's going to mean for you is what it's going to mean for you, as well as explore all options to get better. That could be therapy. That could be medication. That could be both. That would be great to have both options there. There's so much there. Any parting words that you want to say uh, on this topic or any other topic or anything that you wish you said that didn't, you didn't say yet? Um, My DMs are always open on Instagram if anyone has any questions. But the biggest thing I've learned is that I haven't lost anything from talking about mental health and being open about it. If anything, I've gained things. So I know there's a lot of fear and stigma around it, but I don't know. It's like just at the end of the day, it's your life and you need to be happy and you need to do the things that'll take you there. So focus on yourself. Like sometimes we have to be a little selfish to take care of ourselves and do what's best for you. And that's a, and try not to let what others think like rule what you're doing. Cause I used to do that so much and it impacted my life a lot. So I guess those are my parting words. <laughs> just Thank you do you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, for your openness. And and we'll look, be, very much look forward to seeing how, how things turn out. I know that you're you're applying for med school. Everybody on, on Bailey's platform can learn about that and we'll be cheering for her. And uh and but whatever it is, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And of course, a disclaimer. This podcast and all of our mental health learning and educational content is not therapy and is not a replacement for therapy. Please seek professional help if needed. Go to www.resolve2v's.ca to get the support you need. And that's all for now. We hope this was helpful in some small way. If you like our content, please subscribe and give us a five-star review wherever you are listening. 
Make sure to keep updated with all of our content on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And of course, come check us out at www.resolve, that's resolve with two Vs, .ca to learn more about how our services can support your needs. Till next time, take care. Theme song for this podcast is done by the band Mokuse no Maguro in their song Midnight Empty Street. <laughs>